as a dividend, I can take as much dividend that I want from the corporation, as long as obviously there's retained earnings in the corporation. Uh, when I take out the dividend, there's no deduction at source, meaning the corporation doesn't have to pay the withholding tax to CRA. The corporation doesn't have to pay CPP because it's not a salary. And so, again, remember the 6,300 that we mentioned earlier, the corporation saves on that. Essentially, what's going to happen is that you can sell the property on a tax-free deferred basis, and there is a special election form to allow you to sell it at cost. But it's not really selling you at cost, it's selling at um, your tax cost. Uh, it's selling at fair market value. Um, the company is uh, giving you $500,000 cash back, and the company is giving you an additional $200,000 in the form of shares. The two common ways that I know is taking a salary or taking a dividend. Are there other ways of taking money out of a corp? How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Welcome back to the How Is My Financial Health Doc podcast. Today we have our guest again uh, coming back. Her name is uh, Cherry Chan. You've heard her before on a previous podcast on uh, taxation. Uh, today, we're going to talk about another topic on taxation, but we're going to take a different twist to it. And this is really for understanding how we should take money out of a corporation in terms of an income. Personally, how do we take that money out of our corp? And so what, what I personally hear a lot from my colleagues in the healthcare uh, industry is always this debate between salary and dividend. What's, what's the deal with that? And so we're gonna to try to clarify that today. And so I want everybody to welcome Cherry Chan. Cherry, welcome to the show. Thank you so much uh, for having me again. It's very nice to have you because uh, we've really enjoyed the first podcast. We learned a lot of information. Cherry, tell us a little bit about yourself again. Remind the audience uh, who you are, what you do, and uh, what kind of sports you like. My name is Cherry. Um, I'm a charter, um, I guess they call it charter professional accountant right now. I really graduated with the charter accountant name, the old school way. I have an accounting practice that specializes working with real estate investors. Uh, and I guess now I also work with a stock option trader as well. So that's my accounting practice. Our first podcast was about, you know, tax and real estate. Uh, maybe at some point we'll do a podcast on taxes and options. That would be something interested. But, you know, m the majority of us uh, in terms of healthcare, we're not courageous enough to go into stocks and trading options just yet. But maybe, maybe over time, we will get over this hump of our fear. And so today we're going to be talking about salary and dividends within a corp. So let me just start by asking, uh, Cherry, 
I, I have a professional corp or an NP has a professional corp or a small business corp, let's call it that way, because they're not necessarily professional corp. So it's a small business corp. And we the income that comes into that corp, we then take an income for ourselves uh, personally. And so the two common ways that I know is taking a salary or taking a dividend. Are there other ways of taking money out of a corp? <laughs> That's a million dollar question. There, depending on your personal situation, there are definitely other ways to get money out of the corp as well. Um, recently, um, the accounting industry seems to think that, um, I'm not sure if I'm going into too much technical stuff, dividend capital gain, dividends, dividend stripping is one way to strip out a lot of money from the corp. The other way is that um, if you also have personally owned assets that and you want to you want to extract a large amount of money from your corporation, potentially you would be able to sell some of your personally owned assets to the corporation without triggering tax uh, on a tax-free basis and then extract out a bunch of money from the corporation. So there are options out there, but it is really individualized based on your particular situation. Thank you for that. So before we go into the more common topic of salary and dividend, because what you've just said there is pretty new and also it's not something common, but you mentioned something that is interesting. So someone who owns, let's say a real estate Mm -hmm. in personal name, they can now sell that real estate to the corp without mm-hmm. triggering capital gains tax. So how, how do, I don't need to understand the details. I don't think that the, the honest wants to understand the detail, but maybe just the principles behind it and, and see 3000 foot view mechanistics around that. How, how would that work? Let's say you have like a $500,000 condo. That's pretty much all fully pay off. Let's just assume it's fully pay off essentially, uh, but the property has appreciated to $700,000. Now you could technically sell this property, the $700,000 property to the, to the corporation. The corporation will owe you $500,000 back. So essentially you could potentially extract $500,000 from the corporation because you are really executing a purchase and sale. Now the property is um, has the fair market value of seven hundred thousand dollars. So that additional two hundred thousand dollar capital gain, because you're not paying tax on it, so you are not allowed to get it out as of yet. Out. So I the last part I did not understand. So um, I bought it at five hundred. Yep. It's now worth seven hundred. So I've got a, mm-hmm. a spread of two hundred now in capital gain. Mm-hmm. I can sell it to my corp at five hundred. Yeah, on but a tax on a tax deferred basis. So what happened to the 200? Isn't the CRA going to dip his hand into my pocket and say, hey, 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 wait a minute, Vu, you still have that 200, you need to pay tax on it. So yeah. what what makes it that it's deferred that way or what, what makes it not taxable? Essentially, what's going to happen is that you can sell the property on a tax-free deferred basis and there is a special election form to allow you to sell it at cost. But it's not really selling you at cost. It's selling at um, your tax cost. Uh, it's selling at fair market value. The company is uh, giving you $500,000 cash back. And the company is giving you an additional $200,000 in the form of shares. But then because the shares is on its own, it doesn't. Um, it's just issuing shares. There is no tax implication immediately un- unless you redeem the shares. So now it gets a bit more complicated, but you essentially you don't have to pay the tax 
you're only taking the five hundred thousand dollars out. The Got initial it. investment that you put into the property. Got it. I'm gonna call you later uh, on a personal <laughs> level because I have that problem right now as we are speaking. Well, so, it only works for people who are who wants a large amount of money out, and because this would trigger something called land transfer tax. Yes,、so、it does. So even though it is tax deferred and everything, you can extract like you know, example five hundred thousand dollars. It still trigger land transfer tax. Now let's come back to the thing that is for everyone. We talked about the two main stream of income coming out of a corp, either salary or dividend. Let's talk about salary first because I think people understand salary really well. So, how does one take salary out of a corporation? There are many different steps、uh, involved in taking a salary. When you set up your corporation, you start earning income,、uh, your professional income inside your PC, medical PC. You have to register a payroll account with CLA first, and then you determine the amount with, together with the help of your accountant, determine the amount that you would be taking out. For example, you decide to pay yourself one hundred and fifty thousand dollars salary. So you will, on a monthly basis, you issue yourself a paycheck on the net amount. And then use、uh, you send the tax withholding CPP and EI to CLA on a monthly basis by the fifteenth of the following month. So by the end of the year,、uh, right around this time of the year, end of February, you are required to reconcile what you pay to CLA to what you get paid、uh, as an employee and file an information return called T four to、um, to CLA. Okay, so I'm gonna just break that down a little bit. Because I understood everything you said, I'm not sure my audience did. So I'm just going to break it down. So remember, we we mentioned one hundred fifty thousand net. That's how much I I want to take home because that's how much money I need to live on. That means that every month net I have to take out twelve thousand five hundred. Yep. What you're saying is that's the net, but the company, the corp, has to pay a withholding tax, CPP and EI. Which、yes. means that by the time you take out twelve thousand five hundred per month, your company needs to set aside a certain amount of money to pay for that tax and CPP. So on twelve thousand five hundred, just again, approximately, we don't need real numbers here. Approximately, how much is a company paying for that? You have to withhold about three thousand seven hundred dollars of tax, and then you have to pay CPP of six hundred sixty-five dollars. So I've added everything. So which means that the company, the corp, has to pay sixteen hundred and eighty and eight. Sorry, sixteen thousand and eight hundred. It doesn't quite work that way, but sure.、Uh, approximately. So, so you actually if, have to pay yourself a lot more. It will be more than sixteen thousand eight hundred because I I sort of did it the other way, which is not fair actually. <laughs> so it's, it's not an easy calculation. You probably have to pay yourself about twenty-two thousand. Twenty-two. Okay. So that's gross.、Uh, gross. So let me、uh, explain this to the audience. If I need to live on twelve thousand five hundred a month, this is the net. My company has to pay twenty-two thousand and change. Part、mm-hmm. of that is the twelve thousand five hundred to me.、Mm-hmm. Part of that is the withholding tax for COA. 
part of that is to pay for CPP and part of that is to pay for EI. You don't have to uh, pay EI. Oh, I don't have to pay EI. If you are the owner of the business, you don't have to pay EI. Ah, okay. So just CPP, the 22,000 and change is to pay me, Vuketran, pay uh, CRA and pay for CPP. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what that means is if I take 22,000 and change, multiply Mm -hmm. that by 12 months. So that means that it's 264,000, which means if I want to, if I want to take 12,500 every month net, I better make sure that my company makes at least 264,000 a year, right? (laughs) Otherwise a company would go under really fast. (laughs) Yes. It's not a business then. That's right. That's right. Okay. So everybody understood that, that if I pay myself a salary, my company needs to take care of a few things. One has to take care of my salary, have to take care of withholding tax for CRA and have to take care of CPP. Uh, We mentioned the 150 as a number off the top of our head, but I really want to address that. So the 150, is that an amount that maximizes my CPP? What is the number that maximizes my CPP? 61,600 in 2021, but every single year they are indexed to go up to maximize your CPP contribution. 61,600. If I take 61,600 out of my corp every year, I have maximized my CPP. Yes. So if I take 62,000, I don't contribute more to CPP. I just maxed it out. That's it. Okay. The maximum CPP contribution is 3,100 and change. So per year. Mm -hmm. Now that's just employee contribution and there's employer contribution, which is your company. The company has to match that 3,100 in in change for CPP. So at the end, you're paying um, $6,300 to CRA. Correct. So this is why we, we talk about this because we're going to talk about this in just a minute. So if I uh, want to maximize my CPP mm-hmm. uh, every year as a salary, when I, when I hit 61,600, I've maximized my CPP. What that means is my corporation now has to pay CRA that portion of to, to contribute, which is 6,300. Okay, so these numbers are important because we're going to come back and talk about it in just a minute when we talk about advantages and disadvantages. So now that we've clarified uh, salary, let's try to clarify dividend. So how would one do it and how does it work? Dividend is an easier form of um, return on investment that you have in the corporation. You are also, um, as the medical professional, you're also the owner shareholder of the uh, the business. So as a shareholder, you invested um, invested in the corporation, in the business, and as a form of returning the profit to you, um, the company can distribute dividend to you. Now, typically, dividend is as simple as writing a check to yourself saying that it is dividend. Uh, and you deposit it from in your personal account. It's as simple as that. Um, at the end of the year, um, by February, also the same time as uh, your salary, 
information return, you also have to file a T5 information return to tell the government that you have the corporation has to file that return. Uh, the corporation is telling the CLA that, hey, I have given um, the shareholder, this person and social insurance number this much dividend in the year. And so you as the person, individual, would take that T5 slip to report it on your personal income tax return. Now, technically, um, there is no withholding taxes, there is no source deductions, there is no CPP contribution whatsoever. And this uh, dividend paid to you, technically, if you, uh, you're, required, you're required to report it. So you report it in your personal tax return. Now, if you don't have, um, uh, you, don't, you don't pay CLA during the year uh, on the income that you receive from the corporation, you have to... Uh, if you owe more than $2,000, I believe, uh, in your personal tax return, you will have to start paying a tax installment on an annual basis to CLA from your personal side. So even though there is no source deduction, monthly filing obligation with monthly payment uh, obligation to CLA, when we talk about salary, uh, dividend, you still have to pay your personal tax installment on a quarterly basis. Okay, so I'm just going to summarize that a little bit because that's a lot of good information. As a dividend, I can take as much dividend that I want from the corporation, as long as obviously there's retained earnings in the corporation. Uh, when I take out the dividend, there's no deduction at source, meaning the corporation doesn't have to pay the withholding tax to CRA. The corporation doesn't have to pay CPP because it's not a salary. And so, again, remember the 6300 that we mentioned earlier, the corporation saves on that. So the corporation save on 6300 already. That's a good a, a chunk of savings. But what you're saying is because the corporation doesn't take the deduction at source, me, when I take when I take that dividend and it's becoming income to me, I now have to deal with all that. I have to now pay Canada Revenue Agency the taxes on that. And so on my side, personally, I now have to manage that tax. Whereas in the salary, the corporation sort of took it at source already. And so when I take it uh, personally, and I take it, I have to now pay the tax. And what you're saying is, if I owe CRA more than $2,000 a year, I now have to start paying uh, installments. And this is something that uh, healthcare professionals forget. So they take money, they take money out of the corp, they do it for an entire year, never pay tax on it until at the very end, uh, CRA says, hey, by the way, Vu, you owe me money. And now we're like, uh, but I've spent it all. Uh, it's in my Mercedes and it's in my mortgage and it's in my Louis Vuitton bag. Uh, how do I pay the taxes? And now we're all stuck. And a lot of us actually have to go to the bank, get a line of credit just to pay for the taxes. Because we forget that we now have the responsibility of paying for taxes. That's what happens very commonly in the first few years of practice when young physicians come out and they don't understand this. The other thing that they don't understand is that once you do that, the next year CRA says, uh, no more of doing this, Vu. You now need to pay me tax on a quarterly basis. And so now you need to pay quarterly installments. And that's when you get those papers that says, by the way, you owe the government 20000 every three months just to pay for those installments. And so it's very important for healthcare professionals to remember, if you're taking out as dividend, 
you need to remember that you need to pay tax on that and you need to save money so that you can pay taxes. Otherwise, you're going to run into trouble where you don't have the money, get a line of credit or sell your Tory birch bag, which really doesn't cost much and doesn't give you much at the end. Um, and so this is very important to remember. Am I right, Cherry? Um, I think it's more than I, I think it's more than that. If we're talking about something that not just uh, happening in happening for uh, the medical profession. I was uh, when I first started um, running my own practice, I run into the same problem. I didn't realize everyone's having this employee mentality to spend what we have in the cash account. And we didn't, didn't realize that we have to pay tax on top of it. Now, so what I, I would suggest to people to do, um, any business owner or even regular Canadians, they would be benefit from this book called Profits First. Um, it's a book that teaches you how to allocate your cash in the business. Now, this book uh, changed my life. So basically, in a nutshell, it's kind of like the envelope system. So you take your income when you receive your paycheck, you divide it into uh, four categories. One is for your operating expense, one's for your saving, one's for tax, and one is for return to um, uh, once you put, when I say saving, it's really op operating, uh, sorry, for your profit, the company profit. And then last one is for you to uh, pay yourself. So what uh, what this book teaches is that um, it allocate a percentage. So every single paycheck go like say 20% of your paycheck goes into the tax account. And this 20% also covers your personal tax if you have it set up in a corporation. Now, everyone's situation is different. 20% is just the starting point. And at the end of the year, you should always reevaluate what's available, what whether 20% is applicable or not. If you pay yourself a large portion in your personal name, chances of 20% is not enough. You may have to up it to 30%. So you adjust it accordingly. And that's how I manage all my cash flow right now in all my five businesses. And that's how we stay ahead. And so there is no surprise. <laughs> you know, it's very good. It's a very good system. I agree. Because, you know, you say it's not just physicians, but I'm a physician and I see it all the time. And, uh, you know, it, it comes back to the idea of deferred gratification, right? Uh, as, as professionals, and I'm sure you've gone through that yourself. You know, we study hard as students, we're, we're poor, and we, we, we eat at McDonald's every day or eat a, a hot dog on the street. And that's, that's called dinner. And so we, we strap financially until we graduate. And when we graduate, like yourself, you became a CA or I become an MD and all of a sudden we, we find ourselves in money. And then uh, we forget that we need to defer gratification. So we spend everything that we have the moment we make it. It's like a kid going into a candy store and they go wild with the 20 bucks. So we do that. And then we forget that someone sitting behind a desk at the CRA wants some of that. And so we forget that, unfortunately, and we have to keep reminding ourselves we do. And so that envelope system where you say, you know, out of the $100 check that you got every two weeks or every month, just make sure you keep $20 aside or you make you keep $30 aside, whatever your situation is. But don't forget to keep that aside, because if you spend a whole $100, you now have to borrow $20 from the bank to pay back that nice lady behind the CRA. Well, um, the book in itself is worth a read. Um, but what it suggests is that when you use a um, envelope system in your bank, you literally open five bank accounts in your business and then allocate that $30, $20 or $30 into the tax account. And 
um, and you actually send that $30 to a different bank that you don't normally see. So, so then it's out of sight, out of mind. That's the trick um, yes. that you play with yourself. The way that I do it, instead of sending it off to a different bank, I just hide it from my uh, login view. When you log into your bank account, you can see all your bank accounts, but you can hide these accounts from your regular views. So I don't see my bank account. All I see is my operating expense account. It's always just that $20,000 there. It's not a lot of money and that's it. And there's no money right. left. But the reality is my tax account has a large amount waiting to be shipped to CLA on a monthly basis or quarterly basis. Right. And so what you said is important because you automated that, right? So your $100 check that came in, you've automated so that $20 go into that tax account. And once it's in there, you only see $80. You don't see 100 And so you're only spending maximum 80 and not 100 right? And I so, wouldn't say it's automated. It's a manual process to allocate it. <laughs> um, the book on its own suggests that you log in yeah. twice, uh, twice a month to reallocate that income account to the tax account. So every single month you do that. Um, whatever you want to buy for your business in your office or your clinic, um, you also set up a new bank account just for that so that you can save the money aside for that. Um, I think it's a great way because you would, majority of the clients that we work with, they would come to us and say, hey, where's the money? It says that I made this much money, like, like let's say 200000 net $200,000 in the business. I have $0 in the bank account. So as an accountant, I can't really tell you where your money is because you take out the money already. So the reality is like, with that system, you would be able to know exactly where the money is sitting. And at any given point in time, how much is available for your operation. So we've talked about uh, different ways to save for the, the nice lady behind the CRA desk. I'm not really sure she's really nice, to be honest. But anyways, we have to do it. Since we're talking about CRA, let's talk about taxes. Mm-hmm. So how is tax treated on a salary versus tax treated on a dividend? Let's dwell a little bit into that. Okay, salary is um, deducted in the corporation as an expense. So what it means is that if your gross, uh, let's say you run a clinic and you earn this much income from the government, like say 500000 and you pay yourself $200,000 salary, they take 500 minus 200. So now the corporation is net 300,000 and that becomes your taxable income and it's being taxed in the, in the corporation. Now the $200,000 that you pay yourself, it's being taxed in your personal name. So you will have to pay the personal income tax through the source deductions that you send to the government. So um, that's how it's being taxed. Um, in the in terms of dividend, the corporation get taxed first. So in our five hundred thousand dollar example, the five hundred thousand dollars is taxed at the uh, at the corporation's level first, which is taxed at twelve point two percent. And then when you take out two hundred thousand dollar dividend, that two hundred thousand dollar dividend is being then taxed in your personal name at a lower rate, at a special rate, because the money has already been taxed once in the corporation. So this is uh, important because this is another reason why 
my colleagues accountants have been suggesting what they suggest in terms of taking dividends. So let's just come back a little bit to the uh, tax on the salary. So on the salary, there's a withholding tax that the corporation pays on your behalf. And that is at the marginal tax rate. Yeah. Right. So let's just take a physician as an example, making 250, let's say. So at 250 annually, Mm -hmm. the marginal tax rate that that physician needs to pay is what, 53% in Ontario with the marginal tax rate? Uh, not quite like that. So assuming that um, the physician only has that $250,000 salary, the withholding is really based on the average tax rate, okay. not the marginal tax rate. So okay. the average tax rate could be a lot higher, uh, sorry, a lot lower, because the marginal tax rate is 53% on any income over 220, but the average tax rate is probably around 40%. Okay, so the corporation pays the 40%? It holds 40%. Yep. So when it comes into the hand of the physician at 250, does the physician have to pay additional tax? Because I thought it was already paid by the corporation through the withholding tax. Uh, no additional tax. Um, so sorry, the average tax rate is 38%, not 40%, but I was really close. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, that tax um, is being sent to if you, your corporation does the right job to send everything to the uh, government, um, the amount that's being withheld should be enough to cover your personal tax liability. Now, sometimes there are some errors in terms of calculation and it could trigger you know, a couple thousand dollars more, a couple thousand dollars less. Mm-hmm. You may get a refund. Um, if you have any dependent, uh, you may get a bigger refund. If you're single with a dependent, you get bigger refund as well. Um, but it really should cover everything that's paid, um, that's withheld by the uh, corporation to send to CLA. That part should cover your personal tax. Okay, so assuming that the number is right and there's not too many major adjustments. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is if my corporation withholds that tax and that tax amount is correct, that when I receive the 250 as a physician, when I receive that, I no longer have to pay more taxes because my corporation has already done it for me and the amount was correct. Yes, absolutely. Now in the dividend, the company has paid the 12.3%. 12.2. 12.2%. And when I take it into my hands, the 250, when I take it into my hands, I now have to pay a tax on that as well. Yep. So when we look at that type of process, and I remember you mentioned this when we did our first podcast, that there was this thing called tax equalization you mentioned. Tax integration. Tax integration. So when we look at that between taking a salary this way and taking a dividend in the tax integration mindset, does it come out relatively awash or there's still an advantage in doing the dividend route? It's more or less awash. The only difference is the the CPP contribution, the employer portion of the CPP contribution, which is only three grand because it's half of what you would pay. The, the, the difference is relatively minor, but every single year, the integ- because the integration is not perfect, so every single year there is like, it could be dividend more beneficial um, one year and then salary more beneficial another year. So it, it really depends on the year that we're talking about. 
in terms of the way that you described how the dividend is paid, we could also do it differently. We're using a $250,000 as an example, as a gross amount. Um, but if you use $250,000 as a salary example, you pay, um, you pay about $95,000 of tax. And so you are net $155,000 per se. Um, in the salary example, you net a little bit less because you also have to do uh, withhold uh, um, CPP withholding. But let's say it's 155,000. And if I take the 155,000 dividend out uh, myself, instead of taking the 250 into my name, I just take 155 and have the government, have the corporation send the rest of the money, the $100,000 uh, additional to the CLA as tax installment on behalf of you, you're still reporting the dividend income as 250. So like depending on how you look at it, it's still the company paying for it. I typically just have my tax account drawn out the money to pay for my taxes, and then I would report it as my dividend income as well. Whether you take it out as a salary or you take it out as a dividend, uh, there's not much difference maybe a few percentage in there, and also the, the amount paid to CPP. Those would be the two differences. Yes. Is there above a certain salary or a certain income that is much, much more advantages, advantage in the dividend? Because, you know, nowadays you can go to any, you know, investor website. Like I'll take Wealthsimple as an example. They have a website where you can plug in your numbers, whether you take it as a salary, whether you take it as a dividend, and you can see the difference between the two and how much money you're saving if you're doing it in dividends, et cetera. And I did it uh, on myself. I just use a fake number. I, I think I took 300 or whatever that was, 300,000. And using the dividend route, I was still able to save $6,000. Now, some people will say $6,000 out of, of 300000 is not a lot, but then 6000 is the entire TFSA money. So I can save 6000 from doing dividend as opposed to doing salary. So my question is, is there a certain amount above which it makes more sense to go dividend as opposed to go salary? I think everyone's situation is different. The reason I'm going, like, I'm going to say it depends. The reason I'm going to say this is because some, to some people, CPP contribution is very important. What you're saying is essentially a CPP, right? A lot of it, at least. So you also get to collect CPP versus down the road, you don't get to collect CPP. What does that really entail? Can you take that CPP, the saving, the so-called saving, $6,000 in your example, and contribute to your TFSA account and make money out of it. Or you just take that $6,000 and essentially spend it. Then is it better that you take salary? So it goes back to your personal situation. And the other thing is that um, when you pay yourself a salary, and if you still have young kids, um, there are childcare deductions that you can claim if you pay someone to take care of your kids. Uh, my kids are still young and they are the maximum I can claim is about $8,000 per child because they're so young. Uh, when they reach certain age, it's only $5,000 per kid. But these uh, deductions, they are only deductible against uh, uh, my salary, not dividend, right? Now that's one thing. And then the other thing is that when you pay yourself dividend, you're assuming that you're not going to contribute to RSP. I'm assuming you maximize all the RSP contribution room from the past, but the reality is, um, CPP, is, sorry, RSP contribution room is calculated based on salary, but not, um, not uh, dividend. So that really goes back to your object, uh, objective. Do you want to invest in RSP? 
Um, do you want, what are you going to do if you do the TFS, uh, sorry, if you do the dividend route and save the $6,000, if you save the $6,000 and just spend the money on a cruise, then obviously it's better to actually save it up for your future self. So it goes back to many different factors, not just, I think, not just pure dollar saving. You are absolutely right. Just from a numbers perspective, mm -hmm. I think by doing the calculator, again, using any calculator on the web, it doesn't have to be well simple, but using a calculator on the web, I think that taking the dividend route will always come out a little bit ahead, whether it's 5,000, 6,000, I think it will come out a little bit ahead. But you are right in saying, if you're doing the dividend, you do not take a salary, you cannot contribute in RSP because that's 18% of salary, not 18% of dividend. So that's the first thing you miss out on. Two is that you don't contribute to CPP. So some people will say, well, I don't care about CPP or CPP will not exist 30 years from now because we'll all be broke. It's possible. But having a CPP and having that safety net may be very important for some people. And I would say most people. So if you do want to contribute to CPP, then you must to take at least 61,000, as we mentioned earlier, you need to at least take 61,000 in salary and you can take the rest as dividend. Uh, and if you want to maximize your RSP, uh, which is 27,300 or it's 27,900 now for this year, you have to take 18% uh, of your salary to equal that to maximize it if that's what you want to do. Uh, and the question is, you know, is it worth saving 6,000 to forego CPP and to forego RSP? That's the question. And, and the answer is, like you say, it depends. And, and like I mentioned before, the childcare expenses that we can deduct against our income, they can only be deducted against salary, not dividend. So you essentially lose like, like using myself as an example, 8,000 plus, I have two kids, so it's 16,000. I could potentially get $16,000 deduction in my tax return uh, against salary. But if I don't earn the salary, I would not be able to deduct anything at okay. all. Uh, that's a good point. I forgot about the third one. So one, you forego RRSP, two, you forego CPP, and three, you, for, you forego the child care deduction. Are there any, any other deduction that we forego if we take dividends? Um, there is something called a Canada Employment Tax Credit. So it's not a lot. It's like $200 tax credit that okay. you get if you pay yourself a salary, but you don't get anything if you pay yourself dividend. Okay. Okay. So 200 bucks, that's a dinner at uh, the keg, I think. So let's forget that. But the other, the other three are important. Yep. So this is the end of part one of this particular conversation with Cherry Chan. Stay tuned for part two, where we discuss more salary versus dividend for the healthcare professional who is incorporated. For now, if you have any comments or feedback, please email me at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. And if you have enjoyed these episodes and podcasts, please share it with a friend or colleague. How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. 
The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.